You are listening to the Give Me Five Podcast Special Edition on Halloween 2018. Welcome back to the Give Me Five podcast. You have found our special edition episode on Halloween. Uh, is this a trick or a treat? I think it's a little bit of both. Which trick? one of us is the trick and which one of us is the treat? You're totally the trick. Yeah, I really should have stopped. <laughs> Guys, what we are going to do here is talk about the brand new uh, re-release, sequel. We'll talk about that in a second. Resequel of Halloween in a special episode as a little gift for you guys on Halloween. So just to say thank you for listening and for all of those diehard Halloween fans, Halloween movie fans, we can get a little deeper into something that we wouldn't have time for. Both Greg and I got a chance to go see the new release uh, starring Michael Myers. Well, the character Michael Myers. Uh, Halloween. And Uh, I mean, I just stepped away from the podcast. So he's not just being really quiet because he did not want to get spoiled. Right. Uh, he, he tried to go see it today, but was unable to get in. They had like weird showtimes or something, and he wasn't able to get in to see it, unfortunately. Yeah. But I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that both of us actually really enjoyed the movie. I very much so did. And I had a feeling I would. Like when I first heard they were remaking it, I'm like, oh boy, here we go. And then I heard that it was Bloomhouse remaking it. Really? And then I heard that it was partially written by Danny McBride. And I was like, really i was confused i'm like you know what you can uh, humor gets really dark you know some Mm -hmm. of the some of the scariest actors some of the creepiest performances i've seen like are from comedian comedians and comedic actors i Mm -hmm. for some reason think of that photo lab movie with robin williams or cable guy with with jim carrey you know very dark performances yeah punch drunk love both adam sandler people that are goofy comedians i think we're good there the movie is directed by David Gordon Green, who directed uh, Pineapple Express. Really? Yeah. And he's done a bunch of other TV things, stuff. He did a lot of episodes of Eastbound and Down, which is where the Danny McBride connection mm-hmm. comes in. Mm-hmm. And uh, he also is one of the writers. Gotcha. Written David Gordon Green, Danny McBride, Jeff Fradley. Um, well, it, it actually brought brought back Jamie Lee Curtis. Which was who, a big deal. Yes, yes. Jamie Lee Curtis is 58 years old right now and that is a little weird because uh it is exactly the age that donald pleasance was when he played loomis in the first halloween movie so i thought that was kind of a cool little connection nice nice it also stars will Patton, judy greer nick castle and introducing andy matichak matichak and the introducing part is also a big deal because when the first halloween premiered they gave an introducing jamie lee curtis credit to Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, a few years later, I think it was Halloween 4 or 5, they gave it to, I think it was 5, Halloween 5, they gave it to Paul Rudd. Okay. And the introducing Andy Matichak thing, um, they were gonna, there was a lot of actresses that really wanted this part to mm-hmm. play uh, Laurie Strode's granddaughter. And they decided to go the very same way they went with the first movie and pick an unknown actress. So I thought that was a very cool way of doing it. And for an unknown actress, I thought she was great. Yeah, she was very good. And... And like all good horror movies, the music is by John Carpenter. Yes. So this movie, this is where it gets a little confusing for all of you 
like people that kind of know that there's other Halloween movies, stuff like that. There's ones done by Rob Zombie, and then there's a whole series of sequels. Then there was like one by Kevin Williamson called H2O, and then there's Resurrection. There's all these Halloween movies. Yeah. This movie is not a remake, even though it's just called Halloween, because technically there's now three movies just called Halloween. Right. It is a direct sequel to the original Halloween. So you've got Halloween 1, and and if you want to follow this timeline, and as what I read somewhere is uh, Halloween are now kind of a choose-your-own-adventure movie series, because you can kind of decide after you watch the first one which route you want to take. I kind of suggest taking this route, to be honest. But it's a direct sequel to the first Halloween movie from 1978, so it erased basically Halloween 2 and beyond. So it's Halloween 1, and then this movie, if you want the current story. Oh, I thought I thought this timeline included Halloween and Halloween 2. I thought it erased everything beyond Halloween 2. I didn't. And the one of the reasons, there's a bunch of reasons. Um, partially, some of the years they say it, like how long Michael Myers has been in the, like the institution, things like that, that kind of does it. Uh, but the big one is, is a line that was actually in the early trailers in which the three teens are talking. And... There's, they're kind of messing with the granddaughter of Laurie Strode because they know she's kind of like nuts from almost being killed and they're just being kids. And he's, and they're like, well, isn't that your grandmother's brother? And someone's like, no, he's not her brother. That's just something people made up. And that was basically wiping clean Halloween two forward because in Halloween two, they showed that they said that Michael Myers was actually Laurie Strode's brother and that they had like kind of hidden her away from him so that he didn't kill her as well. And it was like a family curse kind of thing. It was kind of weird. Okay, but I thought I thought in what so it was two that they said that that Michael then what was that then I'm not sure I understand what Michael Myers fixation with Laurie Strode is. Um, well, it just kind of built up. Um, there was there was some sex stuff like in the first movie. There was five kills in the first movie, mm-hmm. and a lot of them had a lot to do with like sex or seeing people sexualized, whether they meant it that way or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you were kind of going somewhere else a little bit there, like the way you started that question. Um, the brother sister thing, Mm -hmm. uh, the, now it's a little weird because, and I, I just found this out today. The original Halloween movie is very short. And as a result, even though it made a lot of money in the theater, they couldn't put it on TV. So they added some extra scenes that led, that basically told the story from what I read today that in Halloween one, that he was that Michael Myers was related to Laurie Strode in some way. But that was only on the made-for-TV stuff, and it wasn't technically in most of the releases. So that you can find those releases somewhere, but they really kind of hammered that home in Halloween 2. Uh, but if if it's part of the if it's part of the actual first movie, whether it's whether it's um... just the TV version. So it's kind of a weird little thing because I, I believe it's actually kind of hard to find the other version. Like the one with the stuff about the brother sister. I don't know too much about it. It's just something I, I read today. I kind of did a little bit of research on it. So that was kind of a neat little kind of factoid. But I'm gonna, they're I'm, definitely I'm, they're definitely not related. I I'm gonna have to go back and watch it because yeah. So I, I I usually don't care for revisionist history, but go ahead, go on. So um, well, just you know, how did the movie feel? Did it feel like the original? Um, well, I mean, to me, they're all kind of I. And and honestly, I never really viewed Halloween as a as a continuing series where, you know, there's there's this big overarching story. To me, Halloween was always kind of just like uh Friday the thirteenth, where, you know, 
psycho on the loose killing people like each one was essentially a standalone other than the fact that you know it had mike myers and laurie strode um so the movie basically the first one really stood there to kind of explain what the killer was and just the rest of them are just like kill people in different locations yeah essentially that's i mean that's what halloween has always been for me and as far as that goes this i mean it exactly it fell right in line Mm -hmm. i there was a couple things i really noticed that made me feel comfortable with the the filmmakers mm-hmm. the first was actually the opening credits so there's kind of two two opening credit scenes but one one of them had the like kind of that orange glowing slightly flickering pulsing sort of blurry graphic that they had like on the original movie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i was like wow that's that's kind of cool they didn't try to do it up and then of course the kind of second credit sequence after the kind of opening was the the pumpkin from the original and I think that it's so like weird that that pumpkin is so iconic because it's not really scary. Mm-hmm. And because it's not scary, it's scary. And you just kind of get the feeling that someone on the film's crew just carved that pumpkin and just filmed it for a little while for their opening credits in the original. And it became iconic, like the rounded eyes. And the weird thing is the way they decided to cut the nose and the mouth, which I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, but, the little slit that goes between the nose and yeah, the like, mouth. Yeah, like it's weird because you don't have to do that. Like, I, I mean, for that Halloween thing I do every year. For, for work, I had to build that pumpkin, and it was so weird to do that. Like, I actually had to cut that that thing for the, the our little haunted house thing we did. Right. It's kind of cool. But the fact that they did that, and then this when they, in the new movie with the credits, they actually have that pumpkin kind of go from rotting to back to life. So it's almost like it's resetting everything. It's kind of, it's just a cool graphic. It's a cool, that's, I'm guessing, digital. Yeah. Very, very symbolic of them winding the clock back and basically erasing the rotting carcass that has become the Halloween franchise. Yeah. So those were the the first two things I realized I was in the good hands. Uh, this is a little further into the movie, but there's a close-up where you see the side of Mike Myers' face, and I, I don't think he's even in mask yet, and his eye is messed up. Right. I'm not sure if you noticed that. It's like that, really close yeah. to the train. Well, that's that's at the when the when they go to visit him at the insane asylum, right? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. And you just see the side of his face, and his his eye is blue is like blue because it's dead. And I was like, oh shit, that's from when he she stabbed him in the eye with a hanger in the closet. And from that point on, I was like, okay, these guys are fans. These guys watch the movie. They've watched it a lot, and they are tying in things like that. So I thought it felt right. Now you, I, I see that you also have here no jokes until the first kill rule. Yes, you're going to have to explain that a little bit because I'm actually unfamiliar with that. But okay, so it's not a national rule; it's not a filmmaking rule. This is uh-huh. something that the writers basically got together and said. So Danny McBride, because he's like, "Oh, I'm just a comedy guy." He's like, "Look, I don't want this to be a joke. I want this to be a real serious movie." So he didn't want it to be jokey, jokey, funny, whatever until the shit started hitting the fan. Because right. he wanted to make sure that that, like, he's like, look, I know I'm a comedian. I'm going to put jokes in there. I need to make sure that we ramp up the tension first and then maybe cut it every so often with jokes. That's and a very excellent decision. Yeah, I thought so too. Because if they started off jokey, it was going to lose people pretty early on. Right. Um, although it, what's funny is one of the things that is a joke and does cut the tension the most is exactly the reaction almost every single person that that would see the situation would have, like... And I'm, I, you know what I'm talking about. You, we can talk about it now, I guess, even though it's later. But the uh, the oh shit moment <laughs> with uh, the little kid, Julian, he sees Michael Myers. Uh, what's he doing? He just comes out of the closet. And oh, yeah. He's, he says, 
Oh, hell no. <laughs> no, he says, oh, shit. He goes, oh, shit. Yeah, he goes, oh, shit. Because he's the yeah, Michael I Myers. I thought he said, oh, closet. hell no, and ran down the stairs. Yeah, so his babysitter's upstairs and the, doing the, the thing with the, like, you know, check under the bed, check over here. And it's like, so he goes to check in the closet, or she goes to close the closet. It can't close. And of course, Michael Myers is there and there's a struggle and the kid goes, oh, shit. So it's just kind of a funny, I've now said, oh, shit, like a million times, but. Right. Well, I, and I, and I think what happened was, was I think initially Mike Myers came out of the closet and he goes, oh, shit, and runs to the stairs and then he's standing there and he's he's waiting for the babysitter to come out. Mm-hmm. And the babysitter starts to come out and she's like crawling, going, help me, help me. And, and Mike Myers grabs her and pulls her back in. And then he goes, oh, hell no, and runs down the stairs. And I think that may be the difference. He said, oh, shit, and ran out of the room and then waited at the stairs and then goes, oh, hell no, runs down and goes and tells the boyfriend and runs out the house. Yeah. Which is exactly the reaction most people would have. Yes. So whether, like, people laughed in the theater, of course, but, like, it was still accurate. <laughs> now, I know you haven't seen Halloween as many times or as recently as I have. It's one of my favorite series. Right. My, it is my favorite horror series, so I try to watch it as much as I can uh, during the holidays. I usually, you know, do a kind of a screening of all of them if I have the time. Uh, did you catch any, like, other throwbacks or, like, little Easter egg kind of things? Um, we're, and I realize it, it may be a different... It may be a different uh, timeline, but were were the kids wearing masks from like one of the other Halloween movies, like some of the trick or treaters? Yeah. yeah, so they were wearing the witch and the pumpkin and the skull mask from Halloween three. Um, they're called the silver shamrock masks. Oh, okay. And we've actually seen those a bunch in Halloween Horror Nights too. They, they'll put them in like in haunted houses as kind of a little gag as well. Aren't aren't they aren't they those those giant masks that are um, that you can buy for like forty bucks this year? Uh, right now, um, they kind of look like it. They're vintage, but they're not like that. Oh, okay. Those ones are like, I mean, some of them look sort of similar, but they're, those are the ones that have like the paint or like the neon colors and stuff. These are actual like rubber masks or latex masks. masks. Okay. Um, yeah, that was, that was kind of a little big. That was kind of a fun one. Um, one, another thing I saw involving like a wound was there's a scar on Lori's arm, which I, which you see, uh, when she's doing the like training thing with the, the little training montage where she's shooting up all the mannequins mm-hmm. at the beginning. I believe in, I guess at Halloween one, he, there's got to be a reason they stuck the camera on it. I'm guessing it's from a, a knife wound from Michael Myers. Uh, so that was kind of a cool little throwback. Okay. Um, I think, I think when we were watching the movie, you had actually mentioned, uh, Michael Myers basically dead eye. Yeah. Well, that was, yeah, the, the injury from the, the, uh, hanger thing uh-huh. as well. So there's that. There's, um, there's a lot of scene, like scenes and stuff. I mean, the, the, gas station is very similar to one from uh, halloween 4 uh, which is why there's a gas station in the house that we go to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um there's like walking on the streets the there's trick-or-treaters that bump into michael myers and are like sorry kind of looks down you're like oh is this kid gonna be like dead uh one of the freakiest parts of halloween one is all the mental patients escaping because that's like right when you first get up to the thing and they're all just kind of wandering in the fog and they're in the field and they're just wearing white gowns just like wandering around and it's like when you don't really know what you're getting into with that movie, and that's like one of the first mem- like memorable scenes, uh, they do the same thing because of the prison bus flip. And Rob's going to have some opinions about that scene oh. in a little bit. In a little bit. Um, there's actually another kind of cool thing that it's more lore than I think you would get. Mm-hmm. But uh, Michael Myers was referred to as something in the first credits. He was referred to as the shape in the very first movie. But it was never ever said that way 
in any of the other movies. So people always, you know, the big fans would refer to him as the shape. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't remember that. Like, at yeah, all. but in this movie, uh, Laurie Strode actually says refers to him as the shape in the movie. I believe he's oh, really? she. I, I believe she says that when she interrupts the dinner, um, he escaped to the shape. I forget exactly the point, but that's one of like the big deals because no like big fans would say, "Oh yeah, the shape," but everyone else is like, oh, "Who? Michael Myers? You mean Michael Myers?" Yeah. Uh, there's a reference to the first appearance of Michael Myers, the the clown, the him as a kid with a clown, you know, there's a clown with a knife and one of those mm-hmm. like weird rotating lights. So that, that was kind of neat. Um, oh, and the, you remember, you knew this one, the f- falling out of the window and then disappearing before you get a chance to look out of the window to see the body on the ground. Right. Uh, except they flipped it. Yeah, they did. And that, that actually made me laugh. And I, I was sitting in the theater and I was like, ah, that's what you get. <laughs> uh-huh. I thought that was really cool. And, uh, there was a, a cameo, probably more than one, but the one I recognized was uh, the teacher that was teaching the granddaughter in school who was sitting in the same seat that Laurie Strode was looking out the window at Michael Myers kind of leering through the window. Uh, the teacher is PJ Souls, who was one of the babysitters in the first movie. Oh, really? Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Um, and just the way Michael Myers acted. You know, that's just the other thing. That that little curious held, head tilt every time he killed someone, he would kind of look and and like, like he was trying to be like, he was kind of curious about death. Like he was still kind of that six year old, just in a giant body. And I just thought that was really kind of cool. Like, I don't know the, the head tilt does it like, yeah, I don't think I could put on a, a Michael Myers mask without doing that head tilt when I look at somebody that's mm-hmm. so like iconic. So those are some of the throwbacks. There's a lot more, but that's for you guys to figure out. There's a bunch of videos on YouTube and stuff you can track down if you want to see Easter eggs. But we did mention the mental patients and the bus crash. And this brings me to a small section of our podcast we like to call um, Bad Decision Making, brought to you by Rob. Yes. Well, I I was I was very happy all in all with with the way that this horror movie pushed pushed things along. Um, too frequently, you come across horror movies where the plot is kind of pushed along simply by people making really really terrible decisions, and you're you're left sitting looking at the screen going. What the f are you doing? What? Why? Why would you go in there? What? And it, and it and it reminds me of like that Geico commercial where the people are running from the from the axe wielding killer or whatever, and they're oh, yeah. like, "Let's go get in that running car!" And they're like, "What are you crazy? Let's go hide behind those chainsaws!" It's like, what? Why? Yeah, yeah you know what I'm talking about. This movie, thankfully, did not have a ton of that. However, there was one that. It happened in the movie, and I and I seriously looked over at Greg and went, "Are you effing kidding me? What what is he doing?" So they cut to this scene where this dad and his son are going out for like a late night hunting trip or something. They're going out to to go hunting in the dark or something. I, I, did you think that conversation was really weird? It seemed forced. Yeah, because the kid really? wanted the kid wanted to be a dancer, and his dad's going to take him out and make him shoot stuff and be a man. That's that's what that that's like, what that like, dynamic. Like, you was. know, yeah, but like it was weird. It, it, the conversation seemed like the first time they ever had that conversation, even though it wasn't the first time. He's like, you know, Dad, I really like going hunting with you, but I really want to go want to dance. I want to go to dance class or something like that. It was just it was a it wasn't the idea of the conversation. It was just like the way it was. It was like not the conversation that you have at like what appeared to be ten o'clock or eleven o'clock at night or some right. really late time. Right. driving somewhere it was kind of the conversation they would have clearly argued about before they got in the truck right but it was it was it was definitely one of those my kid's not going to be a dancer kind of things you know what i mean 
And I don't, um, think they, I don't know. I don't even think they got to that. He was like, yeah, you can do that on your own time. That kind of thing. Well, no, like- they, they, he didn't actually come out and say it, but that's, that's where he was headed with that. I mean, it, that, I mean, I've, I, <laughs> I've seen that argument played out enough in, in various other, you know, uh, TV and media and stuff like that. You know, um, one of my favorites is the, the commercial where, where the kid and dad are talking and I don't even remember what it's for, but that's- the what well what do you want to do? And the kid's just like, I gotta dance. <laughs> I was gonna say your favorite's probably the one in Monty Python. I wanna sing. Oh, yeah. So anyway, go on. But so they're they're driving, they're having this argument, and dad driving down this long dark road with no street lights, pulls up on this bus that has, by the way, red and blue lights flashing on top of the bus. The bus isn't flipped over, it's just run into like an embankment, right? And or, or run into a ditch, basically. And it's it's face down, you know, it's it's front end down in this ditch. And it's got the red and blue lights flashing. Very obviously police colors, right? And as he's pulling up, there are people in white jumpsuits wandering around the street. And he stops the car and goes, oh, I'm going to get out and check things out. With his kid in the freaking car. And I'm like, the hell you are? You're going to take your kid, drive down the road, and call somebody. You're not going to go out there and check that out. There's obviously convicts wandering around the road with no police officers in sight, and that's a police bus. What are you doing? You freaking moron. And they're going hunting, and he doesn't take his gun. No, did he take uh, He might have taken it. Nope, the kid did. The kid does. He doesn't. Well, the kid took his gun. I thought I thought the dad might have taken his gun, but regardless, he takes a flashlight mm-hmm. and gets out of the truck. And I'm like, "You freaking idiot!" And I, I that was the big one that I couldn't stand. But thankfully, that was really the only one I can remember off the top of my head from yeah. the movie. Now the whole the whole idea of the movie. There's a quick plot. They're tra- they decide to transfer, and I'm gonna I'm telling you guys this mostly so that you can. Oh, there's a few plot I, holes. It seems I'm sorry, like real quick. Holes. The reason that 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 they did that to push the plot along was so that Mike Myers could get a car to get to Haddonfield. That was, and they actually mirrored a scene from one of the earlier Halloween movies where he snaps the neck of a nurse to get the car, and they do the same thing with the kid. And you can see it happen in like a car with the the windows fogged. Right. So, quick plot summary of doing this more so that I, you can see kind of where my mindset was. They decide to transfer Mike Myers. On Halloween. This is also right after a group of podcasters, which we're 20 minutes into this discussion here. and We haven't talked about the podcasters that kind of drive the movie forward. That start the whole movie, basically. Yeah, they kind of, it's kind of because they, they're there. They show Michael Myers the mask. Everyone freaks out. He kind of just stays quiet and doesn't even face them, doesn't give them what they want. And then later on, they get themselves killed, and that's how he gets his mask back. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple things. One, why would any psychologist let this person, these these random people show them the original mask from Halloween that they somehow got from somebody. Right. They kind of story that out of there. So why would that happen? Two, why would they transfer him on Halloween to a new facility at night with other people if he's this bad of a killer? So there's little things in there. You're like, well, okay. And then, so basically this happens. Bus turns over. He makes his way back to the city. And the other big thing, I was like, well, how the heck... Are they going to put this this person that isn't talking to anybody that kind of sort of doesn't know who anyone is? He's been in an institution for 40 years, et cetera, et cetera. How are they going? 
and there's supposed to be no supernaturalness to this guy. Um, how are they going to get him where he needs to be? Like to Laurie Strode's house, which she has turned into basically a survival bunker that is stockpiled with weapons and because she wants to kill him. And I was like, how are they going to do that? So let's enter Dr. Sartain, which is the character that is basically the push things along character. Yeah. The the guy who makes really weird decisions that are kind of out of character for the position that he's supposed to be holding, however, you know, whatever. So he is Michael's psychologist, and supposedly he studied under Dr. Loomis. The story they kind of give him, which you eventually find out. Here's our spoiler. Yet again, we've spoiled stuff at the beginning, but turns out that he is unable to study Michael Myers the way he wants to. So he wants to kind of study him in his natural environment, and that is basically killing that's killing babysitters, basically, and suburban moms. So he not only gets Michael Myers onto this bus that is supposed to be leaving at night, which is kind of, he gets these podcasters into the picture to, um, you know, to kind of rile things up and get things kind of started. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, you saw the part where he kind of gets himself to jump on the bus with the police officer, like I'm his doctor, I'm coming with you, and they don't show it, but he most likely caused the bus to crash because. They, I, he's got like a little knife thing. And so he most likely was the one that actually killed the police on the bus, not Michael Myers and caused the bus to crash, releasing everybody. So it's a, it's a weird twist, but unfortunately I think it's the only twist, like the only necessary twist because later on, that's also how they get Michael Myers to this like trap house. This, this, I think a trap house is something else, but you know, like how they get him to this house that Laurie Strode has set up to basically capture and or right. kill. Mike Myers. So there's no other way. It's, Cause it's not like he's getting a GPS. I mean, the dude's been in a, a solitary confinement, like he, te- since he was six or, well, I guess he was a little older than that, but like, how does he know how to drive? How does he know how to find people? How does he know what people even look like at this point? So I think it was a necessary evil having like a major twist where someone has to act a little bit out of character, but I think there was enough there to where I was like, okay, yeah. I'm cool with it. Yeah. That was why I didn't mention it in the yeah WTF section. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting that we we mentioned the podcasters a little bit, but we didn't really talk too much about them. And we said it was because they kind of die early on in the movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But what's really cool, one, being podcasters ourselves, first of all, they do go to Lori Strode's house and they offer her $3,000 to tell her story. And um, I want to know how you guys get the $3,000 budget as a podcaster. <laughs> um, so guys, go to our Amazon page and, uh, yeah. you know buy stuff on our Amazon page. I also, I also think that that probably wasn't their budget. I, because I think that was just money that the girl was, was trying to, because that all came from her. I'm fairly sure. And I think that was Mm -hmm. probably her personal money because she was trying to get in the door to interview Lori Strode. Yeah, of course. Uh, true crime podcasts are big. We've talked about this. I've talked about listening to a few of them and I thought this really, really interesting because all of the true crime podcasts that you hear, they'll, They'll have the name of the murder. You know, it's like the, the, you know, serial covered certain type of murder. And they'll, they'll use like whatever the, the, the famous murder name is that they always use on the news and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they refer to this as the babysitter murders, which is super cool because the babysitter murders was the original name in the script for Halloween. Nice. So it's kind of cool that like, you know, we know it as Halloween or we know it as Michael Myers or whatever, but they're like, like, oh, these are the babysitter murders, because that's mostly who got killed in the first movie. So it's kind of a neat little thing that they did. And they only and I guess another another tie-in for the for it being a sequel to the original Halloween was that they mentioned that he's only killed five people. 
Yes. And I, you've probably seen it on the script, but how many people did you kill in this movie? Did you did you happen to know? Uh-uh. Oh, uh, yeah, 19. That's right. Yeah, 19. It's on the script. So 19. So so let's talk about the kills. I'm, I'm leaving this one up to you. What did you think about how that was presented and how they built? So I actually had a conversation recently with one of my online gamer friends about the movie Halloween, and he had just gone to see it, and he absolutely hated it. And I'm like, what do you mean you hated it? What? what? And And I couldn't believe what he told me. He he told me the reason that he hated it was it was too gory and he just it, it was it was just over the top and he he hated it and he just wanted to walk out of the movie. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Most of the kills in the movie, they did not show on screen. They only showed the aftermath. And and even then it wasn't even like close up gore. You know what I mean? It was most of a lot of the kills were off screen. Um, and he mentioned a couple and I'm like, yeah, no, they didn't show that kill. Um, in particular, the one that he mentioned was the guy who impaled himself on the wrought iron gate. Uh. And I'm like, yeah, they, they didn't show that. They only showed him hanging there after the fact they didn't, they didn't show it actually happened. Yeah. Um, and that was one of the things I thought they did very cleverly in this movie was they, they ramped up the, the, the kill factor, if you will, because most of the first kills, they didn't actually show on screen now they they showed they showed him like like fighting with the people um like the podcasters for instance you and i actually had this discussion right beforehand where you said oh no no no, they showed him kill the podcasters and i'm like well actually no they didn't because Mm -hmm. they showed him beat the crap out of the guy bash his head into the wall but when mike myers threw the guy on the ground he was still alive and then they showed him go after the girl and he picked up the girl and he put his hands around her neck but then they cut down and they just showed her feet struggling. So they didn't actually show the kill itself. You know what I mean? Yeah, up to that point, they showed some bodies uh, in that gas station. And you know, it's funny because everyone thinks the teeth kill is really cool. Because they, they show the, what, the cashier guy and he's mm-hmm. missing his bottom. He's basically missing his bottom jaw. Right. Mike Myers comes in. He check like she checks all of the stalls and realizes like the first one's really gross. The second one's slightly less gross. It's kind of like a... Um, a Goldilocks and the Three Bears moment. Yeah, yeah. And then Michael Myers comes in too, and it's like, first of all, it's kind of creepy in general. It's like, is this who's this big hulking guy with boots coming into the bathroom? And then he kind of drops the teeth over the thing. Yeah, and then she realizes she's in trouble because she's like, "Hey, it's taken." You know, there's somebody in here, and it's super creepy because he's like peeking in the little gap mm-hmm. on the door, and. And then he reaches up and drops the teeth over and she looks down and realizes what they are. And that's, that is her oh shit moment. Yeah. And I thought everyone likes the teeth moment. I'm not sure. Like, I don't know. It's just, that seems more of a horror movie moment than like an actual characterization moment. But I guess it makes sense that he, like when he grabbed that guy's mouth and ripped his jaw off, like he would have gotten the teeth in his hand. So he just kind of kept holding him. It was like a, yeah, he, like he didn't, like he didn't stop, got out a pair of pliers and pluck the teeth. No, <laughs> no, no, no. He, he just basically ripped them out of the guy's face. And again, that was another kill that they didn't show. They only showed the aftermath. Mm-hmm. Just like the the guy in the garage. He also killed the guy and stole his jumpsuit. That's how he got out of the white like jumpsuit. Laying on the ground in a puddle of blood and tidy whities basically. Yeah. And that's how he got out of his white jumpsuit. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, they didn't show that kill either. Yeah. And, and I think, and I think the reason he did the teeth thing was because of how they kind of taunted him at the, at the prison with the mask. And I think he and and I think he came after them because of that, 
And because they had, well, one, because they had the mask, but two, because they had the audacity to come to the prison and taunt him with. Yeah. And they're like, say something, say something. And he's like, oh, I'm going to say something. Michael, does this remind you of something? Is this a thing? Yeah. Good luck. I mean, Michael Myers says really good luck finding these people without, without like, you know, tracking their Facebook pages or whatever. Uh, and then the part that, you know, I've, I've heard it called the night that he came home when he makes it back to the neighborhood where everyone is trick or treating and doing Halloween fun stuff. Right. And, and there you have the escalation of the kills. And I, and I think, I mean, I'd have to go back to watch it and be certain because we, we started to discuss this and, and you threw a couple out, but I think that, that that second kill is the first kill that you see on camera. Well, you see the kid get his neck snapped first. Well, no, even then they flash outside the car and it's obscured. You, you hear the, you hear the crack just like you do with the podcast. The windows aren't a little fogged. Yeah. Yeah. But it's obscured. The, the second house is the first one that it's like right through the window. Yeah. The blinds are down, but they're still open. And, Mm -hmm. and you see the knife go through her neck. And, and I think that was the one that I realized that I'm, I'm still a little psychotic when I go to see these movies. Um, well, just 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 to continue that story, not the psychotic story, the 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 escalation of the kills. When he returns to Haddonfield, um, he he bumps into that trick or treater, and the guy's like, "Oh, oh my god!" and and the trick or treater runs away, and he just makes a right hand turn, walks down, grabs a hammer from somebody's shed, and walks in the back door of somebody's house. Mm-hmm. Um, and you hear her go, "What? Oh my god! Oh my god!" And then there's a struggle, and you hear a a thwomp, 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 like he's beating her with a hammer. And then they and then they come around the corner and you see her lying at the kitchen table dead with blood everywhere. Mm-hmm. And he sets the hammer down and he picks up a knife. And that may be because the knife is Michael Myers' signature tool. Yeah. And that it's may also, that's a lot of that shot. A lot of like the woman is wearing one of the women is wearing like a red robe. Mm-hmm. The knife grab, the hammer thing. That's a lot of references to Halloween too. Right. There's- but that may be also why the first knife kill was the first kill that you actually see on camera because that's his signature weapon. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Could be that. Cause you know, he had to get the jumpsuit. He had to get the mask. He had to get the, the knife to kind of complete it. It's, you know, you don't, and you want to see Jason with a machete. You want to see, right. Although there was no real tech chainsaw kills in the first Texas chainsaw massacre, but you want to see that. Right. And so once the Michael Myers ensemble, if you will, is complete, then you can actually start seeing his kills. So they've kind of ramped it up. And then the second house he goes into... Michael Myers ensemble. Ah, the yes. fabulous fall collection of Michael Myers. <laughs> he looks smashing in his blue overalls and white mask. It really brings out the color of his one good eye. As well as the gleam in his knife. Yes. But he walks into the... So so the next one that you see is a lady talking on the phone. And she's hearing about this weird stuff going on. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to lock my doors. And you're going, oh, it's too late, lady. Um, and yeah. she, she hangs up the phone and she walks up to the front window of her house and like kneels on, on like a high back chair and looks out the window. And the first kill you see, and like I said, this was the reaction that, that made me realize that I'm still a little bit psychotic because he, she hangs up the phone, leans out, looks out the window and Mike Myers grabs the back of her head and she starts to scream. And he slams either, I think it might be her throat because she goes silent after he does it. Mm-hmm. He slams her throat into the back of the chair and she goes silent and then he rams the knife through the back of her neck and it comes out the front. And 
that, and I don't remember whether it was the knife or the slam on the chair, but I'm sitting in the theater and I went, Oh my God. And I started laughing and the dude in front of me kind of starts chuckling and looks over his shoulder at me like you freaking psycho. <laughs> I was like, Oh, it was kind of like, <laughs> well, they, they finally got back to, you know, I'll, I'll mention Star Wars, like when they did Rogue One and you'd kind of forgotten how much of a badass Darth Vader was because oh, you never yeah. saw him as a badass. You just saw him as a guy with asthma in a machine suit. And then they, you saw what he did to all of those soldiers. And you were in, like, that's in, why. In Rogue One. And Mike Myers, he's a, he is a killer. That is it. Plain is and a, simple. Yeah. And he's going to, if he has to race through a window to do it, that's what he's going to do. He's a tank. He's a walking tank. And that's it. He's one-minded so they, i mean just just a just a singular focus because yeah because mike myers is not about the flashy kills he's not or he's not about the jokes he's not about taunting his victims it's just a I'm little here. bit there's i mean he did he did put the 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 gravestone in the bed he does hide the bodies and and set up the ghosts and stuff like that so he's he's a little uh, bit about the the presentation well but he's about the presentation for the people who find them not about not terrorizing the people who he's killing mm -hmm. he's fairly straightforward and single-minded when he's when he's killing somebody it's mm -hmm. straight in straight to work boom dead okay yeah uh there is a scene where i which i think the feeling of uh-oh was very palpable in in the theater and that was i think after the the third woman maybe that gets killed in the house or whatever they you see him walk up to a baby's crib oh. you hear a baby crying yes Actually, like, I think oh, that was uh, the first woman after the hammer. That was as soon as he got the knife and he walked out and she had a baby in the other room. Yeah. Uh, first of all, the baby that was crying was actually, uh, it was the voice acting work was done by Jamie Lee Curtis, who apparently does a really good baby cry. Really? Uh, yeah. I didn't know uh, that. Either the opposite close or the far away. It was a, a little factoid thing. So that was one thing, but I think everyone in the theater was like, uh, he's, you're really not going to show a dude in a major movie stab a baby or at least stab into a thing and he kind of looks down at the baby and then moves along so that's good i guess he we're good there uh so you don't have to worry about that um and then it, you know it just kind of escalates it just goes from there it's basically you know kill after kill after kill oh um, i was wrong i remember where my psycho reaction was it was the psychologist oh when he stepped on the face on the guy's head yeah it just yeah, after the point. psychologist basically pushes things along, and you he shows face that he's actually a bad guy by stabbing the cop that's helping. Uh, the cop played by, uh, uh, I always forget his name, uh, Will Patton, mm -hmm. who does a lot of voiceovers on Stephen King novels as an aside. But, oh, nice. Uh, he actually does the voiceover. He did the voiceover on the Doctor Sleep novel, I believe, possibly, on Audible. And, he, and the director of this movie, of Halloween, is actually currently working... Oh, wait, no, is it him working on... No, I'm sorry, it's the director of Haunting of, of Hill House. There's a lot of horror going on in my world. Um, the director of Haunting of Hill House is, is working on Doctor Sleep, which is the um, sequel to The Shining. So that's coming out soon, too. Anyway, uh, long story short, um, he the doctor stabs the cop, and that's when you realize, oh, that's how all these pieces fell into place. That's how Michael Myers is going to get to Laurie Strode's house, because the, the guy is going to bring him there. Or it's actually... They're already like kind of in her front yard, basically. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, Michael Myers basically doesn't really want to play play along with what the nice psychologist wants to do or the not so nice psychologist wants to do and he does what rob he slams because mike myers is in the back of a police car he slams the grate into the psychologist 
basically knocks him out of the car. Um, and then somehow gets out of the locked police car. But then the psychologist laying on the ground is like, I, I, you know, is like, no, don't kill me. I just want to watch you work. Blah, 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 blah. And then Mike Myers just kind of like stomps down on his head and turns it to pumpkin guts. Yeah. And it just, this nice crackling smush sound is wonderful. It absolutely was. But that was a, that was another, wait a minute. Why did that happen moment? Because Mike Myers was locked in the back of that police car with Laurie Strode's granddaughter mm-hmm. and decided to, decided to kill the psychologist instead while he was in a stopped police car, as opposed to killing the person who was closest to him that he could reach without any trouble. My thought there is that she was technically stuck in there. I forget how she gets out. Because, she got, because she, he got out, and then she went out that door and ran into the woods. And we're like, oh, what are you doing? Don't run into the woods. <laughs> yeah, and okay, so there's that. But I think that one of the things there is, like, the psychologist could have actually gotten away because he was already out of the car. So I think that Mike Myers was kind of doing that. I mean... Well, no, because the psychologist was in the front seat when he slammed the grate into the back of his head and then continued to bash his head into the steering wheel. Yeah. So he went for the psychologist first, even though he was locked in the back seat with Laurie Strode's granddaughter. Yeah. So that basically brings us up to the kind of the final sequence. Michael Myers has been brought to Laurie Strode's like defense house or trap house, whatever it is. And you just see how like you'd seen it throughout the movie. I'm not, I don't think I'm going to talk about all the cool little traps because that'll ruin it for you guys. But you see just how badass this, this house has become and what 40 years of preparing or probably a little less, but has allowed. And it basically at the end of the day, Mike Myers gets trapped in the basement and locked up and torched and guaranteed there's going to be another movie. Yeah. I mean, it made $80 million or something. It's the highest grossing Halloween movie. Which uh, which brings the question to mind. You've spent 20 years preparing for this moment. How do you not make sure that he's dead before you leave that house? There's a few things. Why would you set up this trap room and basically leave Michael Myers in the room that has all of the guns? She locks him in with all of the guns before it, mm-hmm. before torching it. And I understand. And I thought one of my favorite little parts of that movie was Judy Greer, who plays... Uh, Laurie Strode's daughter and the mother of her granddaughter, obviously, that we just talked about being in the car. She had been trained up to about the age of 12 in how to kill Mike Myers if it ever happened. Mm -hmm. But throughout the movie, she's like, what? I'm not this person. I, mom, you ruined my childhood, blah, 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 blah. So she's in this like safe room under the house. And she does this thing where she's like holding the gun and she like acts like she can't use it. She's like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this, which causes Michael Myers to be like, oh shit, I'm coming downstairs. And then she's like, fuck you, boom, <laughs> and shoots him in the head. I thought that was so great. Yeah, well, yeah. The, she, the and, acting. and she's she's going, mom, where are you, mom? I can't do this. I can't, mom, I can't do this. And that causes Michael Myers to step in front. And she actually looks at him and the the fear and everything disappears from her face. And she goes, gotcha. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, damn. That was, re- that was really cool. I thought that was great. Um, I like Judy Greer anyway. I like her in almost everything. Mm-hmm. I've liked her since... Uh, uh, rest of development. So I thought that was really good. Uh, the end of the movie, like Rob said, like we don't, yeah, I honestly don't know how he wouldn't be dead, but of course it's horror movie. So oh, he'll you know like flip over a bathtub or something and like lay underneath it and, or find a spot where, break, the, where the fire, doesn't, the where the fire doesn't reach and he'll have mm-hmm. survived and climbed out after the torching. Yeah. So there's that. And then, um, 
they're escaping the house, so the granddaughter is in the back of a truck. And so I lied. There's two WTF moments. That's the second one. How do they leave the house and not make sure he's dead? Mm -hmm. So they show the them them escaping in the back of the truck, and she's sitting there, and she has got clutched in her hand the kitchen knife that she grabbed at some point in the movie to like fend him off, Mm -hmm. which is a little bit of a callback to Halloween Four when the the niece I think is like they're kind of hinting that she's actually evil. Almost actually, yeah. After after they shoot and kill Mike Myers, almost like his his. psychotic consciousness transferred to the girl to the little girl yeah um i don't really think that's that in this movie i I don't think they'd go that route no i don't think introduce this new character but you know it's i think it's one of those they did it on purpose to make you think like oh maybe she's a killer but it's almost like a power thing it's like you know you as rob said that is his signature weapon and they were able to get it away from him and pull it you know beat him supposedly and leave with it so i thought it was kind of a cool ending uh rob you're big on on after credits Mm -hmm. um so were there any there was not a scene there was however a sound at the end of the credits and it could be that you know they were just going with some more halloween sounds but the sound is very distinctively the sound of michael myers breathing inside his mask yes which which again another callback to some of the earlier movies right which to me could could most definitely mean that he did in fact survive that the movie's mm-hmm. not over yet or the the story is not over yet yeah uh, i guess just closing out here it was great i really enjoyed it it was a great halloween movie like the holiday and a great halloween movie the series very yes very very enjoyable despite the two wtf moments so i'm going to ask you greg since you guys have asked me multiple times, and Jimmy actually asked me about Venom, um, he rem- he remembered to do it, so I'll I'll ask you. On our movie rating scale of mm-hmm. full price or full price IMAX or 3D, okay. full price movie, student discount, five dollar Tuesday or dollar theater, mm-hmm. I'm not even going to say the watch at home because I know that's not an option. Yeah, where would you rate this movie? Okay, mine's gonna be a little weird, but I would not weird, but I would say. The full price, but not 3D or IMAX, because I think horror movies are more of an intimate experience, and all of the extra stuff is too grand for a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say with the, the regular price. Um, when it comes to horror movies, too, I also tend to not buy them in high quality, because I think there's something creepier about the DVD version and, in some ways, the Blu-ray version sometimes than like the full 4K version. I just There's something about the graininess that it just brings me back, and it makes things... Reminds me of watching horror movies as a kid. Uh, so what about you? I don't I don't see the graininess on Blu-ray or DVD. Well, not on Blu-ray, but on, on DVD I see it. I don't really see it on DVD. I'd have to go back to VHS to be able to see that. Um, I would I would definitely rate it a full price movie. It's, it was it was a very good movie. Um, I I honestly don't know that there's a whole lot that you would get from the big screen as opposed to the little screen. And in fact, you might have a better viewing experience watching it in a more intimate setting, like you were saying, watching it at home. However, this movie is good enough to warrant going and paying full price to see it. So if you love the Halloween series, if you love scary movies, go see Halloween. Thanks for listening, guys. We hope that you enjoyed Halloween as much as we did and hope you enjoyed our conversation about Halloween. So make sure you follow the podcast, follow our various pages, like us review us subscribe to us all of that stuff and whenever there's big movies that we have a lot to say about 
we'll get these special episodes up to you every so often. And once again, follow the rules of Halloween.